On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed in garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers. And we're back with an all-new Keep It. I'm Ira Madison III. Oh, God, are you? I have to leave. Uh, I'm Louis Fertel. <laughs> and uh, we got a lot of things to talk about. Jesse Williams' dick is out. I mean, sorry, the Tony nominations are out. <laughs> okay, I just became aware of the Jesse Williams' dick situation <laughs> yesterday. I'm familiar with the play he is in that he's nominated for, Take Me Out Take by me Richard out. Greenberg. And Jesse Tyler Ferguson is also nominated for it. But I did not understand and don't remember this play, which I believe is from the late 80s, early 90s, and it's about baseball, that there was so much schlongery occurring in this play. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just always know that the play was nude and had gay shit in it. And right, let me tell you, um, I've seen Take Me Out, and it is real and it is spectacular. As in this version of it. As as in Jesse Williams' penis. But, okay. yes, also, this version of it is really good. It's a really good production. <laughs> um, Jesse Williams, for the record, is was the like blindingly hot person who was on Crazy Anatomy for years and years, in case uh, anybody here is not everyone, a Shonda man. Everyone in this cast was like on a TV show that I used to watch. Um, Jesse Williams, Grey's Anatomy, Jesse Tyler Ferguson, uh, Modern Family, Patrick Adams, Suits. Wow. A sh- I forgot that you watched Suits. I I feel like that was a 2018 Keep It topic. Suits would come up every episode or so. I mean, Je- Jesse Williams and Patrick share um, the fact that Katherine Heigl was on both of their series. But right. Jesse joined, I believe Jesse joined after Katherine Heigl left. Which is crazy because she joined in season 36. So it's like guiding light <laughs> over there. Um, by the way, I did appreciate Ellen Pompeo recently uh, saying that Catherine Heigl would be heralded as, I don't know if she said hero recently, but her, her she comments was ahead wouldn't of have been time. so devoured. Ahead of her she time. Was, and guess what? Uh, I, I'm on team Pompeo. I agree. Uh, I'm on the team people being like, um, is Ellen Pompeo not afraid of Shonda Rhimes anymore because she's retiring? Oh, that could be. Well, but also, of course, be terrified of Shonda Rhimes. She's terrifying. So I, I, I think that's a human response to Shonda Rhimes. That's fair. Um, I, I, I agree with her. I, I love the concept of Katherine Heigl being ahead of her time. That's true. I mean, she's not exactly like Laurie Anderson or something. She's not throwing like <laughs> progressive <laughs> performance art at us. She's Phil of the future, is what yeah. she is. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but no, getting back to Take Me Out, the Tony nominations are out. And as you know, um, I enjoy the theater. Sure. And I've seen, quite a, I've seen quite a few of these. Uh, no, when I was going through the nominations, it occurred to me, you actually can narrate most of the experiences. We got the first ever openly trans nominee, and she is a performer in uh, A Strange Loop. And I was wondering if you could talk about that performance. 
Uh, so Strange Loop is really fucking fantastic. Uh, it's like Michael R. Jackson. It's, um, Opus, you know, about a Broadway usher at Lion King um, who wants to write a musical called A Strange Loop um, using Liz Fair songs. Um, no, can you believe you've seen this and I haven't? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the joke is that Liz Fair wouldn't let him use the music. Um, there's a great song called Exile in Gayville. Um, it's, it's really fun. But I would say that it's interesting watching this Broadway production because, I mean, I think... I think it's fantastic. Uh, and I think that um, Jaquel Spivey is is great in it. But I had the pleasure of seeing Larry Owens in it off-Broadway. Mm. And that role is still dominated by Larry for me. Completely. Got it, got it. Completely. Yes. Uh, it's a great show, though. Uh, it It is one of those shows that is sort of about um, self-loathing. Uh, and mm. I maybe think that it gets a bit too much into uh, misery porn, uh, but uh, I really um, think it's sort of a important piece to be on Broadway. And I, I love that, you know, this like black queer show uh, is finding an audience. It is finding there an is audience some- of a lot of white gay men. Um, oh, I see. Mm, okay, who, who want to tell me they love Strange Loop, but um, you know what? White people are always going to see our art. So that's true. I mean, you you can't stop. They us. exist. I, I, I'm always in line. Sorry. I'm um, I'm sure you've seen Girl Six. <laughs> well, of course, I've seen it. Madonna's on the soundtrack. <laughs> or not Madonna's in the movie. She's um, in the movie. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, 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 the self-loathing thing reminds me of the kind of double-edged sword that is boys in the band, which is mm. when I watched the movie version of it, the, the original one from the seventies, not the more mm-hmm. recent um, Ryan Murphy fied version. Um, you get a lot of queer joy in that movie. And like, you see like whatever gays doing like a kick line for fun at a party in 1970 and AIDS doesn't exist yet. And this is, you know, a version of history I've not seen before. And then it spirals into this one guy freaking out and basically, having a self-loathing sort of panic attack. And I'm not saying that doesn't exist for a certain type of person, but you feel like straight people watch it and think, oh, at the core of all gay people, there's just a self-loathing thing trying to get out. It's like, not true. So Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know who that's for exactly, but all right. I know you sort of have to remind yourself that this is one artist's um, journey. You know, like this, this isn't, this doesn't represent all black queer people. And listen, there have been many instances of, of things in the play that I've personally experienced, you know, but, um, you know, the, the, there's moments where it just gets veer so much into, all right, I get it. Uh huh. Uh huh. You know, um, but it's also a hundred minutes with no intermission. So love that. Oh my God. Please. Okay. So let's celebrate Please that. Please hit me with the 91, hundred uh. minute, uh, jam. Love that. Um, I do have uh, to say, re- reading the Tony nominations, I was shocked to have an emotional response to Funny Girl being all but shut out. And my my reason is, it wasn't totally shut out. There was one nomination for supporting actor, which to me sounded like the Tony saying, "Oh no, it was eligible." You know, like, <laughs> kind of getting in our face with it. Uh, I have not seen Funny Girl yet, but if you think I will not be seeing Funny Girl soon, this is specifically one of those shows where it's like, I need to see Funny Girl to be part of the conversation. 
Right. Like, I right, can't. Right. I can't have been like years later being like, you know what? No, I never saw that funny girl. I would like to see it myself. And here's the thing. Prior to this, I think I've loved Beanie Feldstein and everything. Like book smart, I love to me, her. That, that, that's like a two and a half to three star movie for me. But she is great and unmistakable and, and owns that role. Loved her in Lady Bird in, in a role that was like maybe a little bit smaller than I wanted it to be. But she was great. And also she herself seems fun and, you know, uh, uh, rad, my favorite word. It is weird filling the shoes of Barbara Streisand, as every critic has noted, because I do think it is the best debut by anyone in anything that ever happened. I cannot think of a, a bigger, better debut than that. And also, as a couple of reviews, and more reviews should be pointing this out, noted, the role was generally written with Barbara in mind. The mm-hmm. like the the extent of the vocals, the like the comic flourish, uh, and so filling her it it really is about filling her shoes it's not like well anybody can play fanny brace it's like no this was molded to barbara streisand initially who of course has a wild and specific set of extraordinary talents Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's giving very much uh in high school you know with like like the best actress or best actor right would get the lead in everything yeah and, you know, it's it's like, okay, cool, you're great in Footloose, the musical, you know, right? But, like, should you also have the lead in uh, Night Mother? I don't know. <laughs> and there's only two roles in that. So it really does take up a lot of space. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then we're going to make you the lead in The Hunt for the Red October. It's like, what are we doing here? Um, <laughs> And I get that this is a role she's always wanted to do, you know, obviously idolizes Barbara Streisand, but I'm going to wait until I see it to comment on it. But it it is funny that it was just sort of snip snipped. Yes, right, right, right. I um, uh, And also, there's a whole bunch of Barbara Streisand-esque roles I could see Beanie Feldstein filling. Like, we talk about What's Up Doc all the time. She'd be but great that- in a What's Up Doc remake. Yeah, that that Spitfire delivery with that with a little bit of a wink in it, and uh, that that's totally her to me. So hopefully, there's actually a little bit more stress and um, homaging here. In the here's here here's here's my pitch. Um, okay. Nuts. No, here's my it's okay. uh, Beanie in the Barbara role. Okay. Um, let's see. It is Andrew Garfield. In the as um, Ryan O'Neill, Ryan O'Neill role, and love that, and he of course would be obsessed with What's Up Doc, Andrew Garfield. So yes, and you make his character bisexual, and the Madeline Kahn role is Channing Tatum as Guy Branham has prophesied. That is among the kookiest Channing- things he ever said, guys. <laughs> I had my first breakdown on Keep It when he said that Channing Tatum was the new Madeline Kahn. I'm not saying he's not delightful. I'm not saying I don't want to see him sing and dance. Madeline Kahn, her particular upper crusty, I'm about to fall apart thing, just seems like there's a there's a bit of um, there's something there that's specifically character actress, and not that I am hardwired to believe in the binary, but I do feel like you have to you have to anoint a woman as the successor to Madeline Kahn. You know what? I thought that he was great in The Lost City. And maybe well, the only good thing exist. in it. That does exist. I agree maybe that the movie only, exists. And maybe the only good thing <laughs> in it. <laughs> uh, I watched that on Delta recently and 
the amount of times I fell asleep and had to keep going back to it, which also, which actually has become just a problem anyway. Because, um, mm. you know, I'm a person who falls asleep immediately on a plane. Oh, yeah. Likewise. It's always a struggle to stay up so I get my fucking meal. Because yeah. I'm mad when mm. they pass by you. And then it's like, oh, I missed the meal or I missed the drink. So I'm like, hey, bring that back. You know, and they're always just sort of like, if you miss it, it's gone. Yeah, right. Lost City feels like a definitive plane movie to me. I used to think it was me and Earl and the Dying Girl was the number one. I think, and Atomic Blonde, that's a good plane movie. Because yeah, you can pay yeah. attention. You're like, oh, I did okay, watch that on a plane. Yeah. yeah. I did watch mm-hmm. it on a plane. Um, let's see. What else is nominated? Clyde's, which starred Uzo Aduba. Uh, oh, I right. thought it was really fun. Uh, she's I also, great I, in it. I want to say I saw some statistic that 20 out of the 45 acting nominees are uh, actors of color, too. Um, okay. Following last year's season, which I believe had a, a, a ton of black casts nominated. That's, like, sort of interesting, I guess. Um, well, I, I also assume none point- of them are in Hangman, the Martin McDonough play. Uh, oh, you don't I'm say. I'm kidding. I don't know the makeup of that play. <laughs> and, which, I love Martin McDonough, and I actually have not seen Hangman yet. Um, and I love Alfie Allen, and I'm so I'm excited for his nomination, and I'm excited to see it. Uh, mostly because I've missed Martin on stage. Mm. I think that his foray into movies, um, like Three Billboards, has been um, the worst aspect of his career. And, I and have I, to I just, say, I, just, well, I, I want him to get back to the theater. We, that movie was around when we did keep it initially, and I just. I've never, like, there's never been a movie where I was so sure I was going to like it going in, and then I was in denial about how much I hated it walking out. Like, it took me days to realize, oh, I don't even fucking like Francis in this, who is, I think, um, um, uh, has among the most flawless records and of, of all of our kind of legends walking around still. Um, People die. Is, is, is he still with Phoebe or what? Yeah, I think he's, he's still with Phoebe. He's still with Phoebe Waller-Bridge. That, that, that movie started more fights around the dinner table than um, Trump, okay? <laughs> <laughs> more than Green Book. This was a litmus Wait. test. Do you remember when, like, I, like, uh, I did not bring this up, obviously, when we made Uncoupled, um, the show with um, the, the show starring Neil Patrick Harris that I worked on. Yeah. Uh, I remember when he, like, wrote a very angry series of tweets about Wesley Morris calling Three Billboards racist. <laughs> oh my God, like, I like people, about that. Like yeah. people were angry that people didn't like this movie. And also, by the way, I mean, I, we could have just contained our outrage to Abby Cornish playing American. Like that could have been a whole like year of anger <laughs> for me right there. Let alone Sam Rockwell, well, like punching some guy out a window. And it's like... It was anyway. There's a lot going on in that movie. Um, I wanted to say also about the Tony nominations. So thrilled to see Rachel Dratch get a nomination for uh, this show called POTUS. Rachel Dratch is one of these people where Saturday Night Live is just built for certain people, as in it's the epitome of what they bring. And mm-hmm. you're happy when those people get there. And then when they leave, it's like, well, we don't really have a track for you because Saturday Night Live is the track. So for mm-hmm. her to get to play a broad, a broad, fun role. And by the way, her memoir is so good. It's called Girl Walks Into a Bar. It starts off harrowingly and ends up being a little bit funnier and uh, more traditionally bossy pants-ish. But so the reverse Nanette. So good. <laughs> Which, you know, is my favorite Kama Sutra position. <laughs> uh, POTUS is definitely on my list to see. Uh, let's just run down what I've seen. M- MJ the Musical versus Strange Loop and Six. 
Uh, and like Paradise Square, Mr. Saturday Night, Girl from the North Country. Like, sorry, these these are musicals that like everyone's sort of really talking about. So it's interesting. Yeah. It doesn't seem like a year where like Hamilton's going to win everything, you know? Correct. Yeah, it does. You're right. There's no like Dear Evan Hansen stick out sort of thing. That's nice. Yeah. I personally loved MJ the Musical. And I and get the criticism. Written by our friend Hall. Yeah, I get that. I love what you call everyone who's been on Keep It our friend. <laughs> Well, they are friendly. Yeah. They, they don't leave in disgust, usually. At least they don't tell us. What if Judith Light's like, I fucking hated them. <laughs> She's walking around Manhattan like, let me tell you, I will destroy. <laughs> Keep it. <laughs> they would not shut up about that fucking Versace show. Yeah. Uh, Heather Graham probably is, but that's a story for another day. Uh, yeah, right. We'll save that for the book. <laughs> Uh, obviously, Six the Musical is great too, um, and I haven't seen the other Funny songs. musical nominations. Yeah, yet. yeah. Uh, but Carolina Change definitely won Best Revival Musical. I thought that it was fucking mm-hmm. amazing, uh, and I, I I I had weirdly never seen it before on stage, and so um, it was life changing to finally see yeah. um, you know one of Tony Kushner's other works besides Angels in America, and um, Company. Company still just doesn't work for me. I'm sorry. Interesting. It's like the ge- the gender um, swap I... is just it's. I like I like the idea of the gender swap, but I haven't I haven't liked um the leads in either of the productions I've seen the Broadway or the West End. Uh, Jonathan Bailey was of course amazing in the um West End production, and you know Patty Lapone is there collecting a check <laughs> i was wondering if she was gonna get her third tony though because she's I, i'm i'm always concerned about award amounts like you know how at the grammys everybody has way too many the oscars it sort of feels like generally everybody kind of has the right amount like and tony's also feels that way to me but and patty only having two it's like that just feels like that feels like that, that, that should have been a problem that we solved in her 40s mm-hmm. um but I mean, really, this is just such an array of like people that I'm excited to see again. Like, I haven't seen How I Learned to Drive yet, but mm. um, oh, Mary Louise Parker I lo- is but I lo- absolutely in my ten favorite actors. Absolutely, she, she taught me how to hold iced coffee. Oh, right. No weeds. Uh, the also- way that I continue to hold my iced coffee with like your hand around the lid, straw mm. sticking um, between one of the um, uh, between two of your fingers. Like I held my iced coffee like that for years. Oh, my God. I know I brought this up at the time when she was in The Sound Inside, the last thing she won the Tony for. Just amazing. And then um, it, it, it always pains me. Like, not, these things aren't necessarily on tape. So you're, it feels like you're telling, like, you're retelling a story you heard once upon a time when you're talking about these productions. So anyway, if you can go see Mary Louise Parker live, my God, you should. What an awesome actor. I haven't seen Music Man yet um, because... They were supposed to be sending me free tickets to Music Man, and then they were like, well, you can pay $200 for tickets. And I was like, well, Hugh Jackman and Sutton Foster can dance by themselves then. Yeah, right. Sutton Foster, you can Sutton spin. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I don't know how Music Man is, and I'm not in desperate need to see this production that I'm going to spend that much money to see um, that show. Specifically when... um, Specifically when, like, the real hottest ticket in town is the show that I'm seeing this coming weekend, which is um, the City Center Encores' production of um, Into the Woods with Heather Headley. Mm. Oh, 
Heather Headley. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just gushing about everybody. Uh, okay. I may have told the, uh, uh, when I was in New York a few years ago, I bought a ticket to see the he- Heather Headley color purple. All right. I'm mm-hmm. excited to see it. Best Grammy, best new artist nominee, Heather Headley. I'm thrilled to go. And then a friend of mine's like, what are you doing this Saturday? I'm like, well, I'm seeing Heather Headley in the color purple. And he goes, I have four throw tickets to Hamilton. If you want to go with me. And Unfortunately, culturally, I had to say yes to that because it was the original cast of Hamilton. And so I just went to that and then I didn't get I sold my ticket or gave my ticket to a friend. And so now there's always this what if thing, because it's not like not like Big Hamilton mistake. is something I think about Huge. all the time. Whereas I feel like, Oof. yeah, if I if I saw <laughs> if I saw color purple, I think I, I think that would have stuck with me. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. That, would that, you have done the that, same thing? I saw Hamilton at the public. Okay, but like, let's let's say you had seen it, and a friend was like, "Okay, you can go and see Hamilton for free with me in the fourth row." I would have gone, but then I also would have seen Color Purple later that week. But you were probably just visiting. Okay, for a few that's days. A th- oh, correct. I couldn't go and see it again. Yeah, I get it. That is a dilemma. That is a dilemma. Lin Manuel out here ru- ruining lives. That's what the. Th- this is actually what the song "Dilemma" by Nellie and Kelly Rowland was originally about. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's everything that we need to say about the Tonys. Um, other plays that I've seen were on here, like the "Skeleton Crew" by Dominique Morisot, um, starring Felicia Rashad, was actually like really fantastic. Uh, and so she's becoming like a playwright that uh, I'm really interested in seeing her work more. So. Um, Shout out to these nominations. They are like, they're full of like really interesting um, writers and actors, you know, um, people who are like staples, like Sam Rockwell, who's nominated for everything. Um, anytime he steps on stage, I'm still not going to go see American Buffalo. No, right. Well, although actually, it does seem to be the living worst. So, well, actually, someone told me in an in a Instagram DM that be, in his divorce with his wife, that um, all money that the show American Buffalo makes actually goes to her. So oh, if I can confirm like. that, then I will go see American Buffalo. Oh, I wonder if this woman is Lindsay Krause, who is the mother of Zosia Mamet and is a Best Supporting Actress nominee from the movie Places in the Heart. I bet it's not. But anyway. mm, And also played an evil villain in season four of Buffy. Oh, really? Well, there we go. See, this is how Keep It Works. I bring up that <laughs> half of the pop culture universe. He brings up that one. <laughs> A nice primer uh, on how we communicate. Uh, all right. When we're back, uh, we've got plenty more Keep It. We've got Julio Torres here. Woof. Um, Funny. The, the space prince himself. Uh, and mm-hmm. then we're also going to talk about... Um, has some things to say about Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, and we're going to talk about um, actors who take movie roles just for a check. <laughs> Should be long. <laughs> we'll be right back with more keeping. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is officially the second biggest movie release since the start of the pandemic. And over on X-Ray Vision, Jason and Rosie are talking to writer Michael Waldron to ask just how much of the film was informed by his obsession with Don Draper. I got a few things I want to ask him, too. 
Mm. Keep up with all the latest news in nerd culture by listening to and following X-Ray Vision wherever you listen to podcasts. Keep It is brought to you by Barefoot Dreams. Lewis? Yes? When you see Footprints in the Sand, that was when I carried you in my Barefoot Dreams rub. Now, is that a Leona Lewis song? <laughs> no? Uh, if you want to bring coziness into your life, you turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially now as the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite luxe home blanket. And while many have attempted to duplicate their blankets, robes, and more, Barefoot Dreams' fabrication and quality cannot be replicated, so don't believe the dupes. Girl, this blanket is it. I effing love this blanket. I'm thinking about it right now, and I want to jump in my bed, which is sponsored by something that we'll do another ad for momentarily. Get ready. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Jesus. Get a life, Oprah. My God. (laughs) Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort as their collection of ultra-soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. Their products make the perfect gifts, too. Uh, I throw this thing on. I wear it like a shawl. I look exactly like Ellen Burstyn. And (laughs) I am the coziest a human being can be. Because by the way, it's still that time in Los Angeles where it's like pretty mild outside and then your apartment is cold. I can't explain Mm. it. I don't know things like basic science. For Keep It listeners, you can get 15% off your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code KEEPIT15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. All right, so Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness opened this weekend, and I have some things to say. Okay. First of all, I had a lot of fun. Second of all... That sounds like you. Okay. (laughs) Second of all, Marvel is in its mess era. Okay. (laughs) Uh, I had a lot of fun, but also I thought the movie was a mess. I heard that Michael Stolbarg is in it for like 25 seconds and yet scored a with credit. Like it says with Michael Stolbarg, which is pretty um, using that call me by your name cachet to swing his weight around. You know, he shows up and he gives that same speech to um, Benedict Cumberbatch. And I was like, all right, this is a choice. But, you know, anything can happen in the multiverse. That's right. He puts his arm around Doctor Strange and says, maybe I'm gay too, son. Just like him, call me by your name. Um, I mean, the best part of the movie is obviously, you know, like Elizabeth Olsen um, as the Scarlet Witch. um, Just killing a bunch of people, you know? Uh, And I kept seeing the comments online from people being like, girl, you don't have to do this movie. You're Elizabeth Olsen, you know? Um, And it got me thinking about actors who I guess have taken roles that you would think is just for the check. But also, I want to point out, she's done a ton of these movies now, so like, I, I think Elizabeth Olsen just likes doing it at this point. Mm, she's been in like 50 Marvel read, movies. Have you seen the press tour she's been on recently, though? She did an interview with uh, our with Kyle Buchanan, our, our friend for real this time. Um, <laughs> and part of it, she said that these movies physically take her away from the kinds of movies she would watch as an audience member she has Mm. been so tactfully walking around saying (sighs) i don't 
know what this shit is. I don't know what I'm making. I don't know if it's good. She was talking to, she did an interview with uh, Jimmy Fallon and she said, every time I watch one of these movies, I think, oh, here's the bad one. Finally, we've, we've, we finally messed up. It's, uh, it's like, it, she sort of was indicating, not only do I not watch these, I don't know the difference between a good one and a bad one, which mm. makes me believe it is a check taking situation, though she's mm. turned this into a really dynamic character. So in a way it's sort of, I think become more of an artistic um, endeavor for her. Well, she should watch Eternals if she doesn't know what a bad one is. Okay, good. <laughs> I knew you'd be instructive in this regard. Um, <laughs> What's the last time she made like one of the quote unquote movies she'd like to watch? I know um, Wind River, maybe that. Kodachrome? Oh, or no, or um, uh, Ingrid Goes West. Ingrid Goes West was so fucking good. She is amazing in it. I have a little. I have a problem with how crazy the movie gets and the ending I don't like. But Aubrey Plaza also fabulous, exactly, exactly perfect casting. It like Burn After Reading is one of my it's in my favorite genre of films when um the plot starts to unspool when someone accidentally someone accidentally gets shot. <laughs> uh like that one uh is it Scarlett Johansson Vegas movie? Mm. What movie is that? Fun Night. I get that confused oh. with the other one that's just like it. Yeah. It's Scarlett oh Johansson and like Kate McKinnon yeah. and stuff. Oh, Rough Night. Rough Night. Rough there Night by, by, by Lucia Anello. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, Hex fame. Hex, yeah. Uh, she wrote it with um, her husband, Paul Downs. Uh, I love both of them. That, that movie is great. But getting um, back to actors uh, who we think have taken things for check, I feel like traditionally... Before the Marvel machine, um, you would assume those movies would be like, like Jim Carrey doing like Mr. Popper's Penguins, correct? You know, like doing yes. like a, doing like a goofy kids movie, and actors would always be like, "I wanted to do something that my kids could watch with me." I'm like, "That's a lie." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, we're not like we're not like running out of movies for children and adults. So it's not like I, I have to get this one down on paper, otherwise the whole genre is fucked. But um, no, I would say a, a good nexus of money grab and what you're talking about is Glenn Close and 101 Dalmatians, which mm. the scripting leaves something to be desired. But obviously, it's just you know a, a, a wall of paint that we want to look at. Wall of Costumes and Glenn Shrieking, which we, she then primed on Damages, which was also a show about a villain shrieking. Mm. Uh, but that was, I thought, pretty good news. Meanwhile, mostly what you get is like Kate Blanchett in Cinderella or Kate Blanchett in Thor Ragnarok, which is to say, mm. all right, we're going to play with the funness of their features. We're going to let them camp it up. Mm -hmm. But also, you're going to be begging for those moments. And but when they're not on screen, you're going to be like, why the hell am I here? That said, people love Thor Ragnarok. I didn't get it at all. I love it. I stand. Obviously, she probably wanted to do something with Taika. They're from, you know, that part of the world. <laughs> that part of the world. Yeah. Convicts land, as I call it. Yes. <laughs> no laws, just vibes. <laughs> Um, that that's a good example. I would say there's a few actors who who I feel like have never really done that. Um, 
Well, Kate Blanchett is like a pretty interesting example because she's been prestige her entire career. So she really hasn't had to do this, I don't think. But uh-huh. And I think maybe if you're a woman, you sort of have to do them a bit more. Like Leonardo DiCaprio, I don't think, has ever had to do a um, non-prestige film since, Correct. Since, um, since he blew up. You know, his, the beginning of his career has the, like, Romeo and Juliet, like the Titanic, um, which, you know, no one knew that that film was going to be as epic as it was. It was, like, it was over budget and too long. Um, and then, like, the Man in the Iron Mask and shit. But, like, The Beach, I assumed he probably thought was going to be prestige. If there are 30 people who love Gangs of New York, I'm one of the people who loves it. If there are 20, <laughs> I am one of the people who loves it. If there is one person who loves Gangs of New York... It is me. <laughs> Did you know that if you love a movie, it has nothing to do with being in a room with other people who like it or don't like it? Uh, that's not what God Something about your me. spatial cognition is off. <laughs> anyway, I, am like, I feel like I'm constantly the one defender of Gangs of New York, is what I'm saying. Oh, sure. Well, do you know what I think is one of the most noteworthy cash grabs, and I assume it paid well, of the past few years, is Isabel Huppert and Greta. <laughs> I think she liked that movie. She had the heat from L. She had the heat from L. And they had to do something with her. They're like, all right, well, this is a terrifying French woman who can play anything. What can we do? And they gave her this movie and they were like, look, here's the upside. You have a memorable character. You get to absolutely ruin Chloe Grace Moretz's day, which I'm sure she signed right then. And, but otherwise, it's so one dimensionally villain as whereas most of Isabel Huppert's role are like not only do they have like a, a layer of eerie but then something else happens and they're like really vulnerable or whatever you know her characters are really complex and difficult and strange whereas this mm. woman is just an asshole um that movie was I, so I good I guess it kind of worked I, did you say so good because I I thought it was <laughs> so good to you, watch it it needed to, it needed way more Isabel in it. That's fair. I mean, when she spits the gum in her hair, yeah. iconic. <laughs> Isabel Huppert standing outside of a restaurant staring at Chloe Grace Moretz for like 24 hours, iconic. <laughs> <laughs> Being told by the police, also, the there's scam nothing she... we can do. She's just standing there. <laughs> also, the scam she runs where people pick up her bag that she purposely leaves on the subway. Clever. <sighs> yeah. I mean, I I don't know if I'd return it to her. No, right. Oh, now I have a purse. Great. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess the problem with this, too, is figuring out whether or not a film is, like, what someone thought a film was going to be, right? Like, I would never call mm-hmm, Troy a mm-hmm. cash grab. Like, Brad Pitt doing Troy. Like, I wouldn't call that a cash grab, you know? That was, like... Yeah. That seemed like it was going to be a big, like, epic, like, it seemed like all the bros in that film, like, were really, like, down for the cause for that film. Yeah. I like Troy. No, because, I mean, it, it's I don't remember any of the plot. It, no, I remember watching it back <laughs> and thinking, oh, this movie looks like a fucking screensaver. But at the same time, sometimes the screensaver you get is Avatar, which is the hugest, hugest movie ever. So... 
Oh, yeah. Okay, first of all, Avatar 2, which is, this is not going to make any sense to you, but I've just, I've called it the the Chateau Charest of films um, because Real Housewives of Atlanta has um, this, uh, Charest Whitfield is a Real Housewife of Atlanta. And years ago, she was building her home, Chateau Charest, um, and it took basically <laughs> 10 years She's back on the show now this season, and we've finally seen Chateau Charest, and it's gorgeous. But it took 10 years to make. Like, years ago, Nene on, the, like, the show was, like, uh, at a reunion, made a joke. She called it Neverland. Because <laughs> she was like, to me, it's Neverland. What am I going to go visit? Sticks? <laughs> and that's how I thought about Avatar for years. Like, the fact that I was sitting in Doctor Strange and I saw a trailer for Avatar, I was like, oh, I guess this movie is happening. I just think like the amount of time spent on it is so funny because what you ultimately get is a movie that looks like the illustration on a box of colored pencils, you know, <laughs> like, look at the water. Yeah. <laughs> There's grass. <laughs> I also watched the trailer and was like, who are these people? I can't tell if they're Wait, the same people from the first about? movie. It's, yeah. called, it's like, it's the way of the water, right? Like, yeah. I couldn't tell if they're the same people from the original movie. I was like, where's Sully? And, right. And also, like, now the word Sam Worthington are back in my head. And it's like, that's way too much 2009 culture. Like, suddenly I'm rooting for Carrie Hilson again. You're taking me back. <laughs> and now I feel like I'm going to have to rewatch Avatar. And I famously did not like that movie. No, of course. I mean, it was it was goggles. It was a movie about wearing goggles. Uh do you have any favorite cash grab actor roles that you think worked out or spectacularly did not work out? You know what? Nicole Kidman, uh, who we discussed with uh, Julio Torres. Um, yes. Batman Forever. Great performance. I feel like those were like the. I feel like I loved the era, like the pre Marvel, like the the era where like you'd either do a superhero movie like that, or you do like an action movie, where you play like like for especially for women, right? Where they play like the uh, love interest, and it's like cool, got my check, but also got to do something fun. Yeah, right. And it'll play on cable for years. Um, I was gonna say about uh, one time I was home for Christmas, and on TBS they were playing. Batman Forever. And of course, I was at my parents' house. So, like, motion smoothing was on the television. Mm -hmm. And when you watched that movie, Motion Smooth, <laughs> it really looks like it cost $15. It's just, it's it, like, it, it took me so back to what a superhero movie used to be, which was, you know, maybe a little slimy and comic book looking and dark and quote unquote noirish. But really, for the most part, stupid. Re really, like, just going hard stupid and everybody in it hamming it up. Mm, you know, I was going to suggest that, like, a Kate Winslet has never done a movie like this, but um, then I remembered she was in Movie 43. <laughs> oh, my God. What a crazy... Movie 43. Were there a whole bunch of 40, people in that? Yeah, 43 people saw it. Right. <laughs> She's like in Jean it. Shallot. <laughs> and 43 people saw the film, Lewis. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was like, I think maybe just because of the directors, like, I think Elizabeth Banks directed, like, a couple, it's just a bunch of weird short films that are bad. But everyone's in it. Um, you know, Seth MacFarlane, Dennis Quaid, Greg Kinnear, Common, 
wouldn't want to be at that dinner party. Um, <laughs> the era of just common being and everything. I guess we're still in it. We're still in the common era. And actually, girl, like I'm looking up the cast of Avatar 2 and Kate Winslet is in it. James Cameron. I mean, these actresses stay thankful and for better or for worse. You know what? I mean, Megan Fox got out. Wait, <laughs> it wasn't James Cameron she was fighting with, was it? She was fighting with, um, no, Michael Bay. Michael Bay. Huh, how could I ever do that? Confuse Michael Bay and James Cameron. I mean, they're they're so different. I feel like that girl <laughs> holding up the belts in the Devil Wears Prada. <laughs> uh, I would say that Bad Boys is at least as good as True Lies. <laughs> um you know i feel like but also like cash grabs are obviously actors that like you know prestige sort of like i guess white actors get to do um mm. easier you know like i feel like everything's a cash grab if you're like you know viola davis before she got her prestige um and started pursing her lips as Michelle Obama. <laughs> right, right. You, though, you know what? I, I don't know about cash grab, but actually, I guess I would call it this. Like, I remember that in Music of the Heart, the Meryl Streep movie where she plays the violin and teaches violin, Angela Bassett is like the principal who, I don't know, I don't, I don't know if her angle is you can't be teaching violin at this school or please teach violin like that at this school. I don't know what she does, but... It's not nearly juicy enough for the Angela Bassett we know and love. So it must be some version of that, right? Mm, I mean, or maybe she just wasn't getting roles done. In That's what I mean. No, I mean, pot- potentially. Yeah. yeah. Um, I will say that I have never seen Music of the Heart. And That's I exactly reference what it, you expect. I reference it all the time, but only because to me, the movie Music of the Heart is just the NSYNC video. Right. Which is... I, I, uh, Meryl's good. I do think that song might be the best thing about it. This cu- this poster is wild. Now, you know what? I don't think it's... I think like this was Angela trying to raise her profile. Because mm-hmm. this is a Wes Craven movie, but it's like the poster is like Angela Bassett in a her best like um, respectable um, church wig. Um, <laughs> and Meryl Streep is in the center with like her curly hair and her one hand is caressing um, Gloria Estefan who's on the other side of her they're all like smiling like white women do uh, oh, yeah. and, but their eyes, are, their eyes are closed and um, Meryl's like eyes are slightly open um, but this is just like white women laughing the movie and I'm sure Angela <laughs> was like let me get in on that shit <laughs> <laughs> let me get on this uh, shit with Meryl Streep, okay? Let me get up in this Meryl Streep shit. Mm-hmm. That, that was her signing the contract. As, <laughs> her to her AJ, whole team. She's, she's like, yeah. let me get in on this Meryl Streep shit. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, also uh, I wonder if she only signed on after Meryl signed on because, you know, who originally was supposed to do it, Madonna. And then she mm. had creative differences with Wes Craven and I'm sure Wes Craven's creative difference was what if we get an actress (laughs) God love the woman I I can't imagine Angela I'm sure Angela was like I'm not doing that Madonna shit (laughs) I want that Meryl Streep shit (laughs) 
Though she and Madonna were born on the same day, famously, August 16th, 1958. Yeah, you know what? Both Leos. Both icons. And, and living it, yes. Yeah, I did not know if they were the same exact age, though. Just like Meryl Streep and Elizabeth Warren. Where, okay, you know what? I would like to see a movie that is like Angela Bassett and Madonna. Just like them growing up, but like they were both born on the same day. Oh, sure. I'm like, I'm like what does this mean culturally? That, well, you know? It sounds like you're describing you must remember this. You know, mm. like, oh, Gene Seberg and Jane Fonda. Let's compare. Yeah. Or like the Elizabeth Warren. I mean, I also feel like that's just like a very Ira Lewis movie. Yeah. The right, Angela right, Bassett right. half, the Madonna half, and then it melds together. We can both write our separate parts and then just submit them to somebody who stitches them together. And so it's like collaborative, but not really, which is my favorite. And then the movie ends um, with like music of the heart. And you think they're finally about to meet. Right. But then then Wes Craven's like, goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) And then Meryl joins. And then that's history. Right. The last line is, I have a dinner. And she walks off. Yeah, because I can't imagine Angela Bassett has ever met Madonna. Maybe they've met. They've never. They've Mm. never. They've 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 never shared a conversation. I don't know. Yeah, I I don't think Angela would have too much time, and I I wouldn't recommend she have the conversation now either. So, just stay on the set of nine one one. It's better there. Um, I mean that does remind me of that movie that um. I had said that I'd wanted to make on Keep It years ago, though. It was um, Madonna in the 90s collecting black people. (laughs) Her just calling up Big Daddy Kane. She's like, guess what? You can be in the sex book. (laughs) Uh, uh, No, wait, quickly. I I, I know we've been criticized for talking about Madonna too much in the show. Sorry, let me rephrase that. I've been criticized for talking about Madonna too much in the show. Did you know recently that Ingrid Cesaras or Cazares, Madonna's like main woman, who she's still friends with, posted a thing recently about how Sandra Bernhard is still mad after all these years that she's not in the sex book, and that's the reason they're not friends anymore. Wow. Really? I mean, the sex book was fine. I, 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 if I was Sandra Bernhard, I don't need to be in it. I, I'm already in, like, the king of comedy. I have my own stand-up special. Well, anyway, strange. She wanted her Sandra Bernhussy in that book, okay? <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Do you think she, like, took Polaroids and said on a Madonna was like, Madge, you know, what do you think? I have a couple of and- ideas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's like, well, I'll, I'll get to it, Sandra. Right. And also, you know, I think Madonna had also moved into her Rosie O'Donnell era at that point. Mm. Um, So maybe there wasn't room for two, you know, queer comics. Maybe it was just a a one in the time thing. Yeah. All right. Rosie famously not in the sex book. I don't mean to say she took her place or anything. but I would have loved to see Rosie O'Donnell in the sex book. Fuck yeah. In her outfit from Exit to Eden, where she's wearing that dominatrix outfit. Guys, look that movie up. Actually, nobody makes funnier jokes about Exit to Eden than Rosie O'Donnell. Look them up. Have I seen Exit to Eden? It's her and like Dan Aykroyd and Dana Delaney. Whom we, oh my God, I love Dana Delaney. And she's obsessed with old movies and she's friends with all the gay guys I know, but not me. Dana, it's me, Lewis. You should be friends with me. She should be friends with me. I'm the only one who's seen her tour de force run on Desperate Housewives. Well, I was too busy watching China Beach, her two time Emmy winning role. So. Looks like I won. 
<laughs> we'll, we'll see who's the judge of that. Okay. All right. Well, Dana, you're invited to come on. Yeah, let's get Dana on Keep It, and we'll see who she respects more. <laughs> that should be the point of all our interviews. The... Uh, let's get Julio okay. back in here. Who did you come away more, with more respect for? This poster is iconic. How have I not seen this movie? I'm watching Exit to Eden. I got to do it. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Which, Exit by the way, Eden. is probably a cash grab to get back to the conversation we were allegedly having. <laughs> anyway. I will uh, watch Exit to Eden, and uh, we will talk about it next week. Okay, good news. Yeah, when did this come out? 93? 93? Okay, you know what? There's a lot going on in 93. Maybe a little after, because it's, it's around her Sleepless in Seattle era, for sure. Rosie's? Yeah. You know what? We, we should, yeah, we should just have a whole little Rosie... Yeah, how about she get on this show? Yeah. Okay. This yeah. is me just screaming to the ether. I don't really know how to email people. Uh, Iman is in this movie? Iman has a, a strange filmography because Iman is in Out of Africa. Okay. You know what? I've got a, I've got a lot of things to Speaking revisit. of propping up Meryl Streep, wow, a theme <laughs> has emerged. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck we were talking about today, but when we're back, we chat with Julio Torres. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Nike, Walmart, and Zappos. And even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use and you can get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers. And Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. He's a former SNL writer, the co-creator of HBO's Los Espookies, and now an author with the new book, I Want to Be a Vase, which is out June 7th. Please welcome to Keep It, Julio Torres. Hi, Ira. Congrats on this book, which is which is very cute, which I, I want I actually I need to come up with a different word than cute, because cute sounds awful when people say it. Uh, I feel well, like it I, is it is a children's book. So I think it's fine that it's if it if it were my like tell all uh, <laughs> autobiography and you called it cute, I think I would that'd be different. But it, it is meant to be it is meant to be cute. Your trauma is adorable, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um this I feel like was this inspired by um uh, you've talked before about this um, SNL sketch that you wanted to do um, that you never got to do, which was about like a chandelier um, that um, I think like a janitor fell in love with the chandelier or the chandelier fell in love with the janitor. Or is this just like something that like you've always been interested in the interior lives of inanimate objects? You know, no, I think I think that I have all of like three ideas and this happens to be one of them. <laughs> and, uh, um, I actually hadn't. I actually hadn't thought about that 
sketch. But yes, it, it's a recurring theme to imbue inanimate objects with um with inner lives. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, you did too, of course, great effect in your uh, My Favorite Shape special a couple of years ago. I can't believe that's already two years ago. Life is moving too quickly. I know. But I know. do you have, I mean, I have to ask about the inanimate objects thing. Do you literally just, like, I, I imagine you could just look at things around you right now and you pick it up and it's a person to you in some sh- shape or form. Well, I, I, I don't know. It's something that I've had. I think, I think that we all had that when we were kids to some extent. And then I just never really shook that or something. Uh, and I I don't know. I, I think that I'm very, uh, very interested in, like, Im- Im- imagining the life of something or someone else. And it's, you know, like, not presumptuous to do it with an inanimate object. <laughs> yeah, I guess I can't get mad. <laughs> It's it's sort of safe to do it with an inanimate object, and and it and it just sort of lends itself to metaphor, um, in a way uh, that's like easy and accessible, and it just so happened to be also accessible for for kids. Mm-hmm. And now, um, actually, other weird question. Um, I keep having um the Charlie XCX song, like, New Shapes stuck in my head, like, every time I think of your work, uh-huh. uh, because of the vase and the shapes um, special, like, is is that an artist you care about? Is that uh, is that a song that you <laughs> feel like has um, resonated for you uh, because of, like, the work that you do? No, it does not resonate. Okay. Uh, but I See, I that's me imagining care. your interior I life. don't know. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, which you're more than allowed to do. No, I, uh, no, I can't say that that has been a, an influence. I, I do not influence, but do care about Charlie XCX in as much as I care about all my fellow human beings. <laughs> <laughs> the argument is she is technically a human being, and therefore you don't root for her to and Therefore, the I care about her. Yeah. R- r- right. Right. Someone, uh, we have a friend in common who is Matt Whitaker. Oh, yes. Um, who, by the mm, way, I was just and, thinking that some of your delivery reminds me of Matt Whitaker. That's very crazy that you bring him up. Anyway, go ahead. Well, well, he's very, he's very, um, he's very slow in the way that he speaks, right? And you can tell that he's, he thinks every sentence. Yeah, uh, it's a methodical conversation. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But he he was saying something like they were. He was trying to come up with like a a formula to measure the the success of a of a pop star, and he he thinks that pop stars are either loved, tolerated, or hated by parents and kids. So he would mm. say, for example, Ariana will have a long career because she's loved by kids but tolerated by parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wonder what Charlie, I think, loved and tolerated. Also, so that's yeah. probably right. I also can't really picture parents like noticing or remembering Charlie XCX in a way. No, There's something yeah, specifically sure. wired to gay men to really like. Yeah, you're you know, right. Cherish you're right. her. Yeah. Your parents will probably be like, "Why is the garbage disposal on?" You'll be like, "Oh no, I was listening to Room Room." <laughs> Um, yeah, 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 yeah. She does so uh, on the. I've seen this recent tour um, three times um, because I'm an I'm a stan. Um, mm. But I was most shocked 
by um took the train to San Diego with like three friends to see a show there. And I was really shocked by how young the audience was at that show. Um, and so I had yeah. no idea that she actually does have the like kids fan base. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that, that, uh, not to be crude about it, but that's where the money is, right? Of course. <laughs> that's where yeah. the, uh, because uh, they, that's where the Twitter army is. <laughs> when I saw Katy Perry in Vegas, it, it, it didn't occur to me until I walked was into that kids? room that almost, it was a ton of kids. I could not believe it. Oh, of course, it's like okay. a very cheeky show, too. So I guess like some of it would fly over their heads. But at the same time, it's, everything's Nickelodeon colored. So it's also also for them. Yeah, you know? I would have I would have assumed that her her median age was higher than than Charlie's. You're right. So, uh, but of course it's like Vegas too. So people are just kind of wandering into shows. Anyway, it's very nebulous. Once yeah, you're there. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, of course, I, I need to ask about the news that you are or have worked with Tilda Swinton on an A24 movie. And I, at first, when I heard this news, I thought, oh, what a perfect pairing. Like Tilda Swinton, Tilda Swinton's like four of my favorite shapes. You know what I'm saying? Like it works out that Tilda <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Julia would work with her. And then I remembered you have a, an entire joke about her in your special. And I was wondering if that's where it I began. I do, yeah. Uh, I, uh, that is not where it began. But she, I, when I met her, she was familiar with the joke. Uh, mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and definitely enjoyed the joke. And she was familiar with the special too. Uh, but yeah, I mean, she's, she's truly also one of my favorite shapes and it's, uh, for like, you know, to get to work with one of your heroines is, is great. And she's, she's so, she's actually very warm and very accessible. No, mm -hmm. she seems to me, seems very normal as a person and like tuned in even though we like project this vision of like Bjorky yeah, and Grandier onto everything she does. It's her features, I think. Yeah. Uh, it's it's her 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 tool that she knows how to how to how to use very well. But yeah, no, she's very she's highly perceptive and very in tuned with the people around her and like the energies around her. Speaking of Matt, uh, I was listening to your Las Culturistas episode again recently, like your first one, and you mentioned that you're Nicole so, Kidman. Ira, you're so studied. You're so researched. <laughs> <laughs> it's very impressive. I feel like uh, I feel like it's my trauma from like years ago, um, like not being prepared for like an interview once, like like when I was doing mm. print journalism, and now since then I'm like I have to know everything. Yeah. Right. But no. Well, so you said Nicole Kidman was one of your like your favorite actress back then. Uh, is that yeah. is that still true? And that was when the beguiled was coming out. Like it hadn't even come mm. out yet. So now I'm wondering what you think book. about the post beguiled um, Kidman era, like the era we're in now. She she is truly one of my favorites because she'll try anything. She will do a big cheesy bad movie and be sort of very transformative in it, or she will take risks that feel like other others might be uncomfortable with the uh, birth is one of my favorite movies mm -hmm. uh where she uh she believes that a little boy is the reincarnation of her husband and has this affair with with the little boy and it's just her in a 
a very short haircut, looking very cold. Cause she's she's she all of her characters are like very cold. They're all they're all a little chilly. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, it's I yeah, I, I I really enjoy her. I haven't seen the Northman yet, which I know that she's in. She's also fucking great in the Northman. And oh, I feel like the Northman yeah. is the people expected it to I think the studio expected it to be like a gladiator, but the only people I hear talking about the Northmen are um gay men. And they love it. Yeah, the 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 poster is definitely misleading because when I saw the poster, I was like, "Oh, I'll never see this movie. Like, there's nothing in this movie for me." And then I read that Bjork was in it, and I was like, "Wait, now I'm yeah. confused." And now I hear that it's it's great. That movie has like five angles on on gay fandom going. You know, we have the Skarsgård, yeah. and then the Anya, which whom I feel like is sp- a, sp- a specific gay pull in a way. And then of course, Nicole, <laughs> um, who, who, and you get angry Nicole too, which we only get like every like four years at this point. Yeah. But also, yeah. I want to say about birth, that was the last time we employed the extent of Anne Heche as a terrifying plot device. Yeah. Which I miss, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She was great in that. Well, so then... How do you feel about her AMC ad? I I think I I love it. I eat it up. I uh, it's so much fun. It's yeah. so it's so wild it's so that fun. it's so wild that something that pure and just like schlocky and just like obviously just an ad for fucking AMC theaters. Not it took gay people like like loving it, but I went to see. Um, Doctor Strange, and it wasn't just like gays in the audience who were like obsessed with this trailer. Like everyone seems to love it now. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a beautiful it's a beautiful document in camp. <laughs> uh, I saw I saw Doctor Strange also, and I mean, I was kind of confused because I'm I'm not a I'm not a Marvel person, but I do love a um a witchy antagonist mm-hmm. which is what drew me in and because I, I i went to see it with bowen and bowen was like no 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 no, no. you like it it's very bring me the girl and that's, <laughs> that's, what, the, <laughs> that's what the whole movie is i loved it she was just like, bring me the girl by sundown and no one gets hurt and it's just like oh my god who is this cuckoo lady i love her <laughs> I also uh, even feel like among just, protagonists, I, 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 it's been a while since I saw the last Doctor Strange. I saw the first one, the one with Tilda. Is he not like somebody who like touches his temples and has visions? That seems pretty you to me too. I mean, that's yeah, the Raven, it is. Lewis. <laughs> oh, that was Raven Simone. Right. Yes. <laughs> uh, I I love the like the the witch shit in it. Like Elizabeth Olsen, like really took the movie for me, and it's it's weird yeah. that she's supposed to be the villain because I'm just like you just want to see her being crazy you just want to see her yeah you just want to see her and 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 she's obviously very like very pretty and very um she looks very young Mm -hmm. so seeing them like seeing them it's like no she her eyeshadow has to be really dark because we're trying to sell sell evil here so her eyeshadow gets so dark it's like the heaviest lid and then of course and then, of course, she has beach waves because, God forbid, a, a woman in a big movie doesn't have beach waves. <laughs> and it's so bizarre. Um, but, yeah, I, I loved her in it. Her Do voice you... is such a choice. I don't know where that choice comes from, but I really love it. Well, she's supposed to be, like, 
Russian esque. She's from like this country, Sokovia. So she's supposed to be Russian esque. Oh, so that's an accent. Yeah, it's an accent. Mm-hmm. Um, she's giving like sure, I'll take it. <laughs> um, sort of like what I would imagine, like because remember you said like you also love like I Dream of Jeannie. I try to imagine like that's what she would be like if she if she were like really angry, or maybe that's what the maybe that's the show with the evil sister is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, or like, be, I'm surprised they haven't remade that. Remade an I Dream of Jeannie. I think probably because Bewitch like, flopped. Though Bewitch, that's so interesting Bewitch because the, the Be- Nicole, that's a Nicole project, also. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but Bewitch was so convoluted. The, the plot of that movie was so. Do you, did you watch it? Do you remember? It? Yeah. Bewitch, yeah. Bewitch to me had the feeling of a movie that was rewritten ten thousand times because where they was, landed on it makes no sense and has nothing to do with just loving the original Bewitched. No. So in the in the movie Bewitched, the sitcom Bewitched exists. And Nicole Kidman is an actress on that sitcom. However, she is also a witch. Mm-hmm. So it's like, why? Why, 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 why? <laughs> In a way, it's just maligning Elizabeth Montgomery. They're like, that was a haunted person playing uh, Samantha Stevens. So I would watch a not was she? I don't know convoluted. No, yeah. she was like just an ordinary actress. Yeah. Oh, uh, cool <laughs> <laughs> dark Hollywood story that I didn't know about. Oh no, she was the marshal of the uh, gay pride parade in West Hollywood once with Dick Sargent, who later came out the second Darren. Mm. Oh, great! So she's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, I, she knows a be... gay. Yeah, <laughs> she's that one. Yeah, yeah. I she was like responsible half... for Paul Lynn getting the role on that show, though. So she also helped a guy. Yeah, oh, half, okay. half the she cast gay, was yeah. gay. I feel like half the cast of Bewitched I'm sure. was, was I'm gay. I'm sure the creators were gay. I'm sure the writers were gay. Are you kidding? Um, yeah. yeah. We, we are very much due for the, like an I Dream of Genie revival, though. I think that... Mm-hmm. I, th- I think it, it's what... Those are like two of the main shows that millennials watched in reruns as kids. And yeah. pe- people, would, people would tune in for like a I Dream of Genie moment. I'm sure Zendaya has a script. I'm sure Olivia Rodrigo <laughs> has a script. I'm sure they all. <laughs> sure they're, I'm sure it's sitting on all of their nightstands. Like I, maybe. I'm sure uh, Barbara Eden's still with us, by the way. So you even still get the cameo, yeah. which is exciting. You could you could do a Wonder Woman sort of situation where she cameoed, right? The original yeah. Wonder mm-hmm, Woman. Mm-hmm. Linda mm-hmm. Carter. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's another performance that's fun. Kalel, no. <laughs> <laughs> you mean Gal Gadot's original Gal Gadot's yeah, performance? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah she, she yeah. is. Her, now that, that voice is a choice. Because I don't know what accent she's trying to. I don't believe it's a choice to... at all. I think, I think that's. I think that's her voice because I also saw Death on the Nile. Okay, I was about to say Death on the much. Nile, and it is <laughs> she is she is she is one voice. Yeah, uh, she just no accent work for Gal Gadot. I'm I'm going to take a nap. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Julio, uh, it was great to have you here. Thank uh, you for having me. Yeah, I mean your book. Your book is like it's also like very wonderful. Like I, I can't wait to actually get it and like have it on my yeah. um, coffee table. 
Yeah, it's a beautiful object that I think it's a children's book that doubles as a coffee table book. Mm -hmm. We rarely get that hybrid. Thank you for innovating that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm obsessed with the concept of a coffee table book anyway, mostly just because I like I wonder who reads them. And I feel like the people who read them, at least my guests who read them, are I'm usually late. Uh, and so if I invite friends over mm. for a dinner party or something, too, like I'm still getting ready, that first person that arrives is always the person who's sitting there going through it. Like, I feel like that those are the only people who've ever read that huge ass Rihanna book that I bought. All right. Like no. the big but Rihanna you mean, coffee you mean table like read, book. You mean like actually read the text? Yeah. Not flip through it, but actually read the t- Oh. Yeah. yeah, it's like you got to be really bored or like you're the only person there to be like going through that. Oh, no. If I get yeah, to a party yeah, yeah. too early, I like I'm guessing learning about Richard Avedon today or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, is, thank you for coming. Yes. Which is <laughs> all to you. say thank that. You. Yeah. Which is all to say that many people um, will be reading um, your book while waiting for me um, to get dressed. Um, Great. Because I'm usually 20 Perfect. to 30 minutes late. <laughs> great well thank you Uh, yeah thank you i want to be a vase by julio torres and illustrated by julian glander will be available from athenium books for young readers on june 7th wherever books are sold up next keep it and we're back with our favorite segment of the episode it is keep it lewis what is your keep it this week? Is it going to hurt my heart? I don't think it is. I think you're going to be in full agreement. Okay. Keep it to the Lady Gaga Top Gun theme, Hold My Hand. Woof, oh, thank guys. God. Thank Put God. your paws it is, down. It Woof. is awful. It is. I. Here's the thing. You know I'm a Tom Cruise enthusiast. Yes, diagnosably. Correct. Uh, yeah, you know what, like, I'm, I'm, I'm probably, like, have Scientology leanings. We don't have to get into that, um, yeah. yet. Your but, feet and uh, count is all over the place, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, but I'm also a little monster. I don't, I do not get what went wrong here. Because the original Top Gun soundtrack is, like, is, like, 80s bombast and camp. Like, Berlin, Kenny Loggins. Like, how do, how, that is, that seems like everything gaga was giving us on born this way yeah but i will say this something major that goes wrong here is you cannot make a non-song into a song by over singing <laughs> and that is what is occurring here <laughs> every once in a while gaga is like s- seemingly obsessed with like letting you know she has a really good voice it's like my god i've been paying attention for even 10 <laughs> minutes let alone 15 years of course you have a great voice um but it's like, first, there's like no instrumentation on this song. And I think it's supposed to sound spare. And like, mm. like, like there's a lot of room, like, you know, it's quote unquote epic. But what it really sounds is underproduced. Like I'm just listening to a, a borderline acapella performance. And it's, of course, chock-a-block with cliches too. Just nothing you would want to scream out loud. You know, like obviously Hootie and the Blowfish has covered the sentiment before. Yeah, it's just, and also it could not be charting less. I saw it's on the bubbling under Hot 100 chart. That's right. There's an entire chart about not being on the chart, and that's where she is. Oh, I know that. I I listen to Sky Ferreira. <laughs> 
uh, listen, I th- th- this song is constructed so weird to me. The opening with uh, the opening sounds like they're like bleeding goats or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which so start off with just pure abrasiveness. That's amusing to somebody, but we don't know what that's about. So, and then nothing. Yeah. It it seems underproduced. Uh, it it doesn't have like a fun melody. Like like every song that she made for Star Is Born is fantastic. Outside of I don't like the final one, which I also just think is screlting and cliches. Mm. The uh, is I'll never love again or whatever that's called. Uh. Oh. Yes, that one. Um. I, I I don't mind that one, but I feel like you know, like it's this is definitely no shallow. Oh, um, excuse me. The, that this song should be flattered. We just mentioned it in the same sentence as shallow. Um, I mean, this song is no "Take My Breath Away" the cover by Jessica Simpson. <laughs> oh my God! When the, when Jessica Simpson did that cover, I remember thinking, "Oh, this sounds horrible," and then you would hear "Take My Breath Away" in everybody's wedding, like because they heard it from Jessica Simpson. Anyway, yes. something's wrong with my generation. So that is actually a really interesting um, reversal in that the Jessica Simpson version made a lot of people from our age group get into the original song by Berlin. Right. But I think because you can't play age... just you can't play that at your wedding. You can't play Jessica Simpson's Take My Breath Away. I no, mean, but I, I, would. I think you can. <laughs> I think, but I think the reason like girls my generation liked it was because Jessica Simpson sort of sounds like it's it's like 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 most people she isn't a brilliant singer but wants to give it her all and that's what these girls sound like when they sing so they mm. were really into that yeah well anyway anyway the original the, orig- the original the original Top Gun soundtrack is fantastic and everyone should go and listen to it i mean yeah tina marie what what tina marie song is in it lead me on i love almost every tina marie single outside of some of the soupier ballads Mm -hmm. exceptional square biz lover girl behind the groove great there's lover boy miami sound machine cheap trick this is an album yeah right i miss when soundtracks were just like perfectly selected sequential the, the track listing i miss track listings Come but you on. know what my theory is the original top gun's a horrible movie and the soundtrack oh, it's is terrible. amazing if this song is so if this gaga song is so bad top gun maverick might actually be great oh that does fascinate me i just saw a clip with glenn powell in it uh, i didn't know he was giving smoldering hot these days he's always been giving smoldering hot did you not watch scream queens yeah, was he brutally hot on that? He, hold on, Glenn Powell is also the one in that Netflix um, assistance rom-com with uh, Zoe Deutsch, right? I think so. Yeah. I I mean, I know that he's the hot pilot who's not racist in Hidden Figures. Oh, right, right. So he's like 11th build in that movie. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, in I, retrospect, I, that movie was mostly about Kirsten Dunst being like, I hate these black scientists. <laughs> <laughs> And Harrison Ford tearing down a sign? It wasn't Harrison Ford. <laughs> it seems like it should be Dennis Quaid, but it's actually Kevin Costner. Ah, that's right. Kevin Costner. Dennis Quaid would be putting the sign up, I think. <laughs> he, Dennis Quaid would be putting the whites-only sign up at this point in his in his life. Now, by the way, I have to think about how Kevin Costner's like 
the world's most popular television star right now, and it's a show I'll never see. So anyway, perplexing. Ira, what is your keep it this week? <laughs> My keep it, I know we talked about this last week a bit um, with the Met Gala, but my keep it goes to people's obsession with Marilyn Monroe. Oh, specifically, I, I hate it. So Kim Kardashian wore the dress that um, Marilyn Monroe wore when she um, serenaded um, JFK. And whatever we, you know, we already talked about how she like um, starved herself so she could fit into this dress, etc. And then she revealed that she wore another Marilyn Monroe dress after the Met Gala. Uh, it was a, a sequined gown of hers that she'd wore to Golden Globes in '62. And I just want to know why are you playing in this dead woman's closet? <laughs> I'm wearing the gown her mother was wearing when she gave birth to Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn Monroe needs to padlock her crypt, okay? Like, can ghosts <laughs> file restraining orders? I have a serious question. Like, I it is I get when some people like do the re-wearing some an iconic dress moment, right? But I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Th- this and um when she got the lock of her hair from Ripley's Believe It or Not. And then let's talk about the fact that, like, um, for her birthday one year, Kanye got her the um, hologram of her father. Kim, right, Kim, Kim right. needs to let the dead lie in peace. Because <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like it. It's spooky. Yeah. Um, no, here's the thing about Marilyn Monroe. We simply have discussed everything there is to discuss about Marilyn Monroe. And I know there's an entire block of Twitter that's ready to jump out of the woodwork and tell you the 50 fucking things you didn't know about Marilyn Monroe, that she was asexual or she couldn't orgasm or all the personal details that we shockingly (laughs) have about Marilyn Monroe that you, somebody talking about Marilyn Monroe needs to know. I think you're just reading my Wikipedia, Lewis. Yeah, right. (laughs) There are several (laughs) Marilyn Monroe movies that are of course great. Uh, some like it hot, which we talked about with Amber Ruffin. Uh, uh, Bus stop, I enjoy. Uh, uh, Asphalt jungle. There's a whole bunch. She's great in all about Eve. Let's just be done with this. I'm sorry. There's just more interesting people. I, I think the thing that fascinates people about Marilyn Monroe annoys me, which is just mm. like, you know, she was she she was so um, magnetic, but she was also so sad. It's like that's not a complex vision of a human being. You know, mm. it's like you're. It's like. it's like the Susan Boyle thing. Like you can't believe somebody who looks a certain way can sing. Well, it's just, it's like not complex. That's all I can say about that. That's fair. You know, and I will also say what always happens on those like Twitter accounts is always a simplification. Right. There's this one viral tweet about how Ella Fitzgerald couldn't perform at like one of the hottest nightclubs in LA, you know, because she was black. Until Marilyn Monroe, who enjoyed her, said that she would sit in the front row, uh, get a table every night for that week that Ella performed to make like a media frenzy. Um, and that would, you know, like help her um, be able to perform um, in bigger clubs. This is true, but. The racial element is like completely fabricated because black people had played in this um, club before. The the thing that like Dorothy Danridge, I think I pointed out like in an interview once was the fact that like Ella Fitzgerald was like fat, 
you know, like, and she also wasn't like the conventionally attractive, um, like a Dorothy Dandridge or like an Eartha Kitt type. Eartha Kitt had right. performed in that club before, you know? So it was more like them being like, we want like a sexy, poppy jazz singer too, because like um, Ellen was like a true jazz singer and like wasn't, you know, sexy in these people's eyes. So they were like, why are we going to book her to perform? And that is why Marilyn did it. Um, And it did create a frenzy. And then Ella never had to play small clubs again. Um, But, you know, it's just like, there's always these things in viral tweets like that where someone just sort of like will either leave something out or just like make up something. (laughs) And then it becomes a part of like, we all think it's true. Yeah, it becomes this convenient part of a, 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 a tweet storm that we just sign up for and believe in. And even though we have no idea who is posting this, like they have no history of credibility otherwise. The other thing is that Ella said that they were friends, but they didn't have a close friendship because Marilyn was a drug addict. (laughs) 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 And Ella was like, "Mm, I'm not trying to get close to that. (laughs) You imagine after the show, she's like, oh, you, (laughs) after the show, she's like, you want some, you want some uppers? And Ella's like, I'm good, baby. I am good. Ella's like, I have to go live into the 90s. So it's going to be bye-bye. There's an awesome duet with Ella Fitzgerald and Karen Carpenter where they do a whole medley of songs. And it's on YouTube. And it's near the end of Karen Carpenter's life. So you may, it it, it can be a bracing watch in certain ways. But there's a point when Karen Carpenter is singing and Ella Fitzgerald, you see her go, "Mm, so pretty. (laughs) <laughs> it's like she, the, the grandma emerged. It's so cute. Oh, <laughs> uh, not her and all these, you know, um, icon iconic white women. Right. I didn't. I didn't know she was flanking so many of our uh, tragic late twentieth century uh, grand dames. Mm, she would have loved Ridora. <laughs> I just know that in my heart. Okay. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> uh, can't confirm like, it either way. Do you like monkey business? As in the film? Yeah. Uh, I don't know that I ever saw it. It was Cary Grant and Ginger Rogers and Marilyn Monroe. I think it's pretty cute. Oh, I've never seen that one. Uh, the, uh, uh, there's another Marilyn Monroe movie that's good. Don't bother to knock. That's a good one. Mm. Of, oh, of course, How to Marry a Millionaire. Okay, yeah. never mind. Keep talking about Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> <laughs> Lewis has changed his mind. Yeah. Prince and the uh, Showgirl. Yeah. Uh, that monkey business is about Cary Grant trying to just to develop a um, youth elixir. Oh, uh, the Peter Thiel origin story, I see. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, Kim. <laughs> Marilyn will possess you at some point if you don't stop. Which I'm sure is the whole point. Actually, probably. I, 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 would, I would like that, the, the possession of Kim K. Somebody's got to take accountability for this whole woman. So what, I hope what do you, if anyone's got to be Marilyn. What do you think Marilyn does Like if she gets like corporeal farm again? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Do you think she like marches to... Um, college campuses and like rips her um poster off of people's walls you i I feel like she doesn't i feel like she doesn't love that white dress greater poster as much as like um freshman girls in college love it oh no she's probably sick of that she's like just put up another audrey poster leave me out of it 
Yeah. Oh, she didn't want her mun rusty out there like that. <laughs> Vile. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, I'm going to continue thinking about what Marilyn Monroe would do if she were walking amongst us, like the first thing that she would do. Um, I think that she would probably probably um, go after everyone involved in the show Smash. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, I mean, to be honest, Catherine McPhee wishes she were haunted by Marilyn Monroe, but well, ain't nobody haunting that. Well, I guess David Foster's haunting her, so. <laughs> The Crypt Keeper. Yeah. <laughs> she does live with him. Never mind. <laughs> She's All surrounded right. by like cobweb-covered pianos, etc. Uh, an artist, an artist he has kept chained up in his basement. Uh, All of of Chicago's there. (laughs) He never let them out. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's our show. Thank you to Julio Torres for joining us this week. And we'll be back next week with more Keep It. Keep It is a Crooked Media production. Our senior producer is Kendra James. Our producer is Chris Lord. Our executive producers are Ira Madison III and Louis Fertel. Our editor is Charlotte Landis and Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Thank you to our digital team, Matt DeGroot, Nara Malconian, and Delon Villanueva for production support every week. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's OMRI certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow.